Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast, live from San Jose, California. I'm your co-host, Guru Ramprakash, and uh, sitting along with me in studio. Is this a studio? Yeah, studio close it's, enough. It's, it's close enough. <laughs> so sitting with me is uh, none other than your favorite co-host, Vikram Kanth. Vikram, uh, how are you doing? And uh, how have the playoffs been for you this week? Well, it's been busy, but a lot of fun. And the playoffs have been phenomenal so far with a lot of drama that was uh, unexpected, so to say. So uh, I think it's been exciting and it's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we... Especially in game ones, we, we saw a lot of upsets take place, uh, a lot of things that uh, we did not expect to happen. But uh, it, it seems for the most part, things are rounding into form as the as the series is go uh, into their uh, third, fourth and fifth games. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think who who we had the smart money on are still going to win the series and uh, in, in basically all of them. I think the only surprises might be portland and the denver sacramento or sorry denver san antonio series so uh, other than that i'm not real real surprised by any of the outcomes yeah we'll talk about some specific games but i think in terms of the series outcomes they're not super surprising absolutely and we we basically want to go over each playoff series and uh talk about what we think about it uh how how the players are playing um and what to watch out for as the as the series goes on, uh, maybe I mean I mean some teams are already down 3-0. Their team their seasons are basically over, uh, but yeah I mean let's let's uh, start talking about it and let's start with the the most surprising series out west, uh, the Denver Nuggets and the San Antonio Spurs. So right now four games have passed by. Uh, the series is tied at two two. Um, a lot of neck and neck battles. Uh, obviously, Greg Popovich and the Wiley veterans that, that are on the Spurs going up against the Young Nuggets. And it's turned out to be a really good series, uh, testing the mettle of both teams. Yeah, I. Uh, so it's interesting. I think fundamentally what's going on here is uh, I think this is a battle of pace and a battle of the type of game that the, these teams want to play. Uh, when, when the pace is fast pace. That favors the Nuggets when the Spurs manage to slow it down. That favors them, and it's basically a clash of styles. And each of these games, uh, in the various quarters, you can actually see this as a microcosm of, of the pace battle in the NBA. Uh, but I think big picture, the real question night to night for the Nuggets is, is Jamal Murray going to show up or not? Because if he doesn't, it, it appears that they struggle mightily. Uh, secondarily, I think Will Barton is their major X-factor, uh, because when he's on that team plays a lot better. And this this last game was the first game where I felt like he was really finally making the type of impact that he was supposed to. No coincidence that he came off the bench and he played very well. I think that was a good 
uh, insertion in the starting lineup with uh, Craig going in for him. So I think on the Nuggets side, they're pretty... Uh, they they made really good progress taking back home court advantage because had they not won this game, their season was probably over. And we talk about Jamal Murray, right? He's the he's the one perimeter scorer for for the Nuggets, and if they want that compliment to Jokic, uh, Murray Murray is that guy. And um, obviously, he has to you know uh, sometimes play off of Jokic, sometimes you know uh, create a shot for himself. But yeah, you're right. When when he's on, that's when the Nuggets are really tough to stop. And Will Barden coming off the bench again, yeah, yeah as you said, that was a great adjustment by uh, Michael Malone, and uh, that gives him a scoring punch at the beginning of the second quarter. But let's talk about a guy on the Spurs that we did not expect to have the series that he is having. Derek White, this guy, I mean, he he does a little bit of everything. And, um, I mean, you talk about the Spurs keep finding these guys late in the first round, these guards that seem to contribute at a, at a high level. Um, Derek, ba- Derek White is this toolsy guy. And in games one and three, those are the two games he really played well. And those are the two games the Spurs won. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the bellwether for the series for the Spurs. Uh, when he plays well, it seems like the Spurs win. I think that the Spurs have played very fundamentally to their style. Uh, they're shooting well from all of the areas of the floor. They're having a little bit of trouble on defense. Actually, Jokic carved them up tonight, uh, even though not shooting a phenomenal percentage. But uh, having those 29 points, really controlling the glass, and still doing his job passing, I think that was the big difference with the Nuggets. But going back to the Spurs, because I think it's interesting to talk about them, you know... I wish I could see a little bit more from uh, from Aldridge and DeRozan because I think they need to carry the team a little more. Uh, the bench hasn't been as good as I expected. I thought Davis Bertans would make more of a contribution. Patty Mills had some interesting three-shot fouls <laughs> twice right, right. where uh, he somehow got... Uh, he somehow got Monte Morris to foul him on two three-pointers, which I thought was great. But I think the bench has been a little underwhelming for the Spurs overall in this series, and I think that's making the difference night to night for them but going back to Derek White you know he's found money I mean this is this is incredible like the Spurs are going to be so exciting to watch in the future uh backcourt of him and DeJounte Murray is going to be incredible locking up teams uh I think we haven't even seen what Lonnie Walker can do in the NBA I think all of these things are are really positive for them and I think they got a pretty bright future uh, regardless of the outcome of the series, although I, I wouldn't even say that I know who's favored in the series right now. Yeah, we don't we don't want to write the obituary for the Spurs too early. You know, you know what I'm saying. Absolutely not. Yeah, and uh, we we definitely want to see how this series turns out because the Spurs are very much capable of winning in Denver, and uh, I, as we've seen in Denver from Denver, they're capable of turning it on whenever they want to. They came back from 19 down in game two to win that game. So it, it all sums, I mean, it all rounds up to be a very interesting series. Uh, can't wait to see who, who pulls it out there. So uh, with that, we're going to move on to the next series you want to talk about. Another really in, in, interesting series, the Portland Trailblazers going up against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, right now, we've played three games, and the, the Blazers are up 2-1 on OKC. Um, in games one and two, Portland was really, really shooting the ball well. Obviously, led by Damian Lillard, shooting these crazy threes, like 
Steph Curry range threes, and uh, obviously that really spreads the floor for them, and they're able to run their offense. But it also was a story of missed threes for OKC. They they tried to match what the Trailblazers were doing on the offensive end for them, and um, it didn't quite work out in games one and two. They shot a very poor percentage from three-point range, especially when Paul George is shooting a poor percentage. When he is not shooting, that he's pretty much the best shooter in in their starting lineup probably on their and on probably on their team overall definitely so uh when he when he's shooting bad that's not a good sign for for the thunder obviously they came back in game three the thunder did and shot 54 percent from three and that's pretty much going to decide the series for the thunder how hot are they shooting the ball and uh uh, they also have to stick to their identity a little bit more, I think, because I thought that they were sh- too, shooting too many threes, especially in game two when they would just come down the court and 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 shoot threes. I mean that that doesn't seem to be the way that they should be trying to win these games. I just want to hear your thoughts, Vikram. So Russell Westbrook cannot pull up from three. That's got to be like he cannot. number one. Yeah, he, he just can't. That's not a good look for that offense. Uh, I think you're right about Paul George. He hasn't looked right since his injury. Uh, to his shoulder and I think that's continued along in this series as well and I think uh, even if they win this series that's going to be a serious impediment to any aspirations they have of moving further I believe Uh, besides that I think game to game they haven't really so like a couple things that have been surprising to me is I I feel like Steven Adams should be a much bigger part of the series I have no idea why they're not pick and rolling Ennis Cantor to death more than like they, they know him as a player I don't know why he's not being targeted more uh, I just find that strange. They're making him look like a superstar. Well, well, just to interrupt, do you do you think running pick and roll with? I mean, I mean, obviously that's a that's a big time weakness for Cantor, but I don't really know if OKC can exploit it as much as other teams can. Well, I mean, you're right in terms of the spread aspect of it, but I mean, a Paul George and his Cantor pick and roll would be pretty nice, or a Paul George Stephen Adams pick and roll would be fine. I still think Russell Westbrook getting into the mid-range where he's somewhat better than three is, is okay. Getting to the rim, getting fouled. I mean, I still think that's a superior option to their pretty putrid in general three-point shooting. And, and that's another thing with Russell Westbrook. Like, he doesn't look that aggressive on his drives anymore. He, he, seemed, to have, he seems to have lost a step in, in, his, in his speed, basically. Well, Especially in games one and two. He, he felt that he was, he, he was uh, resorting to the pull-up more than just driving to the hoop. I think he's a little older. Yes. You know, I think there is a little bit of a drop in athleticism, and it's hard to maintain you know, all-out athletic performance for the number of minutes that he's playing in the series. So, And that's true not just of the series, but during the year. I think it's pretty hard to go 100% like he does in every possession and be expected to be you know, productive in that environment. So I think the Thunder stylistically have to go more at Cantor. I just don't see... I mean, basically, at all of the centers, they're letting, like, Myers Leonard look like a stud in this series. That's very true. I will say this, though. Myers Leonard's pick-and-pop ability is very important for the Blazers. I think that does give them a look against the against the Thunder that is that is pretty important, especially since the centers for the Thunder don't really want to go out there. Yeah, and speaking of the Blazers' offense, I mean, I, I talked about it at the, at the top, but they look really, really good on offense. Yeah. Especially, obviously, the we're talking about the Blazers' wins in games one and two. I mean, Damian Lillard looks he's unstoppable. Killing right he's now. killing him. He's killing him. And do you think like Damian Lillard is better than Russell Westbrook right now? I, I don't think it's a question. 
outside of game three, yeah, I think he's played better. And I think he's a better point guard right now in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was alluding to. I mean, he's just all NBA second team pretty much. I don't I don't think that there's any question. I think we both picked him for all NBA second team. I, I, I would pick him too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at that point, uh, Russell Westbrook is going to be fighting for an all-NBA spot if he gets it, even though he averaged a triple-double. Like, that should tell you something about where he is in his career right now. That's not to malign Russell Westbrook. It's just an indication of how far his offense has fallen in terms of uh, his shooting, and that's an important aspect of the game. But I also think the resurgence of C.J. McCollum in this series is really important. Uh, we weren't sure what C.J. was going to show up because of all the injuries, whether where his level of conditioning would be, all that kind of stuff, and he's played quite well and uh, he's had some big games for him uh, especially in game two where he led the Blazers in scoring so I think I think we're good there I think the Blazers have played better than I expected honestly without very much so and I'm wondering how I wonder how different this series would be if he was in yeah I I wonder that too but I I just think that it's a basic numbers game in the sense that if you're missing a three on one end I mean, if you're OKC, you're missing a three on one end and it leads to a three from Portland on the other end. That's like a six point swing. And though that's pretty much what happened in games one and two. That's that's why Portland is up to one right now. Uh, but what do you think of OKC's chances of coming back in this series? I think home court's actually going to win this one. Yeah, I think this game, this series could go to game seven. And I think Portland will pull it out at home. Mm-hmm. I think like I think that if. Unless uh, a miracle happens and OKC is able to take game, game five. five, yeah, or Portland is able to take game four, which I think is more likely. And it, it was interesting because uh, OKC actually played well in the beginning of game two. I think uh, they, I mean, they managed to pull. I mean, Portland managed to pull into a tie at halftime, but before that, OKC was control the game, could control the game, and then all of a sudden, Portland like put their foot on the gas pedal and just. Uh, I mean, it escaped with that win in game two. Well, I think the thing for the Blazers is when they when their shot falls, it's going to be real tough for the Thunder because they just don't have the offensive tools to match in a, in a high-paced scoring affair. So they have to muck the game up. They have to slow it down. They have to force more turnovers, all those types of things. Uh, especially, they have to be a little bit more deadly in the fast break Oklahoma does to have a better opportunity to win the game. I just think overall, it's, it's not a great series for either of these teams. Yeah. So... We'll see. It's been entertaining. They're really they're has. they're sort of each other's worst matchup in a way, uh, if you look at their styles of play. But yeah, it's it's then it's pretty much becomes like which style of play wins out, and uh, and who's and, shooting better on a given night. Yeah, that's that's another thing. So I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, I mean, oh yeah, do you have like an official prediction? Like now that we've seen the first after seeing the first three games, I think it's gonna be Portland in seven. Uh, I I think so too. Actually, I think Portland pulls it out now. I I usually I originally had the Thunder winning, but I, I think I, I had Portland. Winning I, I too. think I have this newfound confidence in the Blazers uh, and uh, uh, them pulling out this series. So yeah, let's let's move on to the next series. Uh, so we want to talk about uh, the Rockets and the Jazz. And I, I'm looking at your face, Vikram, because <laughs> it pretty much says it all. I mean. In games one and two, the Utah Jazz got like bamboozled, led astray, destroyed. run amok. I'm using. I mean, pick a, uh, pick a word, dude. Yes, they got uh, like, destroyed. They. I'm just picking out every extreme I can because that's pretty much how uh, the Jazz looked against uh, the Rockets, and uh, obviously the Rockets were very much doing their thing. Um, 
running pick and roll with James Harden and James Harden was hitting these step back threes, driving the lane, finding other shooters on the court. And the Jazz just couldn't compete with them offensively uh, in games one and two. And then game three rolls around and it pretty much goes as well as the Jazz would have hoped it to go pretty much and uh, then jazz the jazz had home the home court on their back they got hardened in early foul trouble they even got chris paul in foul trouble and uh, they couldn't break away because they just did not have enough offense and in that third quarter, the the Jazz were in the bonus for about eight and a half minutes to go. And I thought that would be uh, the quarter where the Jazz could have pulled, pulled away, maybe built a, a slight double-digit lead, if anything. But the game remained close. And when the game remains close uh, against a very talented offensive team that the Rockets are, they're going to make you pay. So, uh, Vikram, take it away. I have nothing else yeah. to say. That's kind of basically it. I would just say, you know, overall, this series is basically about the Jazz's inability to score. I think they've played good defense overall. I think that we do have to give them a little bit of credit for that. They're not perfect. They make some errors. But in general, too many of the players on the Jazz are struggling. You you have to be able to take advantage of your well, d- defense. Let me put it this way. Yeah. Uh, Joe Ingles has had an awful series, pretty much. He has been. And he's your, you know, your best three-point shooter by percentage. He's your secondary playmaker. If he's struggling, that's a problem. On top of that, Donovan Mitchell had bad games until this game, and after halftime, he was pretty he was pretty terrible. So, I mean, you're looking at your main offensive options just aren't being that productive. Uh, Rudy Gobert was not playing like his defensive player of the year self in games one and two. He played much better tonight, but it wasn't enough ultimately. Uh, I mean, just up and down, I feel like the Jazz have underperformed in this series. And I think the Rockets have actually played about what I expected. Maybe a little worse, especially with tonight in terms of uh, how James Harden shot the ball. Like, J- James Harden was 0 for 15. Yeah. And first, the Rockets shot, were yeah. in the game for the entire game. I yeah, don't think the Jazz ever pulled away with a double-digit lead. And this game is really about the Jazz's lack of offense. Uh, I think their defense has been good. I think they have held the Rockets to, you know, manageable levels. I think they've held James Harden to manageable levels, but you have to be able to at some point actually score the ball. Sometimes, the ball sometimes your best defense is your offense. Yeah, I mean, at some point, I mean, like you, you gotta, you know, it's the I believe whoever is gonna put more points is gonna win. Right? Like, obviously, you gotta score at the end of the day in order to be productive, and they just haven't been able to do that. Uh, and I, I just think that they generate, like, especially in this game, they generated good looks down to the last uh, last shot by Donovan Mitchell that was, you know, wide open, just offline a little bit to the right back rim out but overall i just think that their offense has been pretty putrid so um they're down three nothing that pretty much means uh their summer is going to start uh, a little bit earlier than uh, most of the other playoff teams so let's write the obituary for the jazz right now i mean uh do you think they need to improve anywhere do you I mean is is this like do they have enough offense to, no. to compete in the playoffs right now? No, they no, don't. Probably not. They need another, need another offensive player. They need a floor spacer. Honestly, I don't even know if it's a floor spacer. They need an offensive player, like somebody to actually come in and be a productive scorer, either you know in the starting lineup or off the bench. They just need a person who can put the ball in the bucket a little bit more. Yeah, especially when Donovan Mitchell's off or something. Because, like, they already have the Defensive Player of the Year in Gobert. On top of that, they have a pretty solid, like, a fundamentally sound defensive team. 
but it, it it comes down to putting the ball in the hoop. And Donovan Mitchell had a had an amazing post All Star break uh, period where that's where the Jazz went up from like the eight seed to become the five seed. And you start to wonder like it was just like was was all of that like a true description of what the Jazz were, or did they just get get hot? At, at that point in time, and now they're not able to reproduce that in the, in the playoffs. I don't think it's anything like that. Uh, I just think that the Jazz system works really well against 28 teams in the league and works very poorly against the Rockets and the Warriors because they can take away what fundamentally makes Gobert great in terms of protecting the paint. That's not to say Gobert didn't just swat uh, Chris Paul and, had a, and has been better on the perimeter and is really rounding out the rest of his defensive game and his offensive game for that matter. Uh, but I just, again, it's a question of what team has more weapons. And when Gerald Green is bombing threes or PJ Tucker's killing you at, from the corners and Eric Gordon is destroying you, like that's players three, four, and five for the Rockets that's beaten you. And your number one and two can't put team, can't put points on the board. Uh, absolutely and uh with that uh i think i think we're all in agreement that the rockets are about to move on in the second round yep and uh we're going to preview the matchup where they're not not preview but like recap the matchup where their opponent their future opponent is playing that is the uh, warriors and the clippers oh yeah so, uh, so i mean <laughs> look this series has had a lot of internal storylines more so than than any other thing that I mean, even uh, within the game, right? The Warriors are the better team, but something happened in Game Two that is pretty inexplicable. Well, I don't want to say inexplicable because if you've been watching the Warriors this year, oh, yeah. you certainly saw this coming. This is a classic. And, take and your foot like off as the a gas. fan, I'll I'll come out and say I, I'm a Warriors fan. You hoped that. Being in the playoffs, there would there would be uh, more you know cognizance, more conscious ability. Like, look, this is the playoffs. This is what we've been waiting for. This is not boring anymore. And uh, no, that, that that moment did not happen. Well, it kind of happened in the game after that. I think KD yeah. was pretty passive in games one and two. He was. He was. He really was passive. And then he went and got buckets in game three. Uh, so I mean, like I. I really struggle to say that this is. I think the worst part of this series is this amazing comeback at the Clippers is going to mean absolutely nothing. I think that's the worst part of the series is that they got a a thirty one point comeback. You know, one of the greatest comebacks in NBA playoff. The history. greatest comeback in in playoff history from a points perspective. From yeah, a points I perspective. So. Uh, I mean that's fantastic. It's an amazing accomplishment, but unfortunately, it matters for nothing. I mean, you talk about the Clippers, they have a lot of grit. They have uh, a ton of, you know, toughness, uh, and they got players. Well, and, I think it's they a got showcasing moment for them for, you know, Kawhi Leonard in the summer. For, yes. Or other max free agents. Any, that any free consider. agent. Yeah. Who, yeah. I mean, contrast them with the Lakers, right? <laughs> and uh, the other thing I'd say is, Lakers, again, why did you trade Ivica Zubats, who had the most misleading stat line ever for a player in, in Game 3? Uh, he basically started the game and then played like garbage time in the game. They but needed, they during needed garbage floor, time. They, they needed floor spacing for LeBron Vikram. 
Yeah, they yeah, needed Mike Muscala. Mike Muscala. You know, uh, at this point, I, I'd almost rather have Ivica Zubac taking the damn three than Mike Muscala. Uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I shoot, I mean. Yeah, I mean, like, the way Mike Muscala finished the year, I mean, you might you, well, you would honestly. not be mistaken uh, with that. Uh, but uh, We might be exaggerating a little. But, yeah, I, I just think, uh, you know, I, I, just, I don't understand that trade. But that aside, uh, there's not. I don't really think that there's a ton to say about the series, to be honest. I think the Warriors have played pretty well. In some aspects of the game. I think the biggest thing about this series is I feel like the Warriors Clippers series is getting called really, really close in a way that the other series aren't being called. That that is very, very true. Like in, in some really weird way. And it's it's not a criticism of the refs per se. Uh it's just and it's not saying that the fouls that they're calling aren't fouls. Like based on the points of emphasis for the league, they're committing fouls and players have to adjust to that. It just feels like this particular series like and and, and, this is and even the, like the, the technical fouls are being like, well they're being rescinded so obviously that means something here that, that means like they they weren't deserved in the first place and I, I obviously the refs are trying to control whatever situation arises because like you know games one two and three they got pretty heated between and because you got patrick beverly on one side and you got either KD and Draymond on the other side. Those are some really emotional players. Absolutely, they, uh, and they're gonna get, yeah, they're gonna get teed up more often than not. And um, and the other players they feed off of that because those guys are the leaders for their respective teams. Yeah, I you know I think that the, I almost feel like the foul calling has gone a little far. I think it's destroying the flow of the game a little bit, and I don't personally enjoy watching like both teams pray to the free throw line. Yes. I will say though, it does play to the Clippers' advantage because they can't really compete any other way. So you may even be benefited by sending the Warriors to the line like forty times. Yeah, like if instead of that, instead of three pointers, they're getting that, and you can shoot some threes and make a better percentage. You know, maybe from a numbers perspective, it makes more sense to do by that. By sending them to the free throw line, you're playing the game in the half court, and that's where Lou Williams is uh, really good at drawing fouls. <laughs> and just lighting kids up. I yes. mean, Lou Williams has hit some of the most amazing shots this series. It's been incredible. Yeah. Uh, he, he and Montrez Harrell are just phenomenal basketball players. And, you know, Montrez Harrell's contract is looking really fantastic right now. It is. And but... so is Lou Williams, for that matter. I'm like, they signed him, what, two years or three years, 21 mil or something like that? Yeah, three years, 24 million, 24 I think. Mil, it was, it was like, like that. Million, it was seven, seven or eight mil, eight, something like that. Eight million a year, yeah. And I, I'm like, who wouldn't pay him that? Yeah. Especially I mean, like on, on off the bench for a playoff team, he's he's definitely a guy to have. You know, know? he's definitely winning six man of the year. Like Rudy Gobert is definitely winning defensive player of the year. So, but one last note about the series: uh, the Warriors should be glad that this type of a comeback happened in this series versus if it happened against the Rockets. Because in the next it, series. yeah, in the next series, because if it happened against the Rockets, you throw away a game against them, that could come back to, to bite, bite you, you in the in ass. The butt. Yeah. Yes. But at least this time they got home court on the Rockets, so that's helpful. Yeah. So wait, I mean, wait a sec. Actually, I think they're better on the road than at they, home this year. Like they, they it's are very much better on the road than it's at home. Unbelievable. They're yeah. just. I don't know. It's just that the aura of Oracle Arena has so is sort of like gone away. And, well, they are and, leaving Oracle and, Arena. And, Could and, be a curse. Um, well, there's that. There's that, and there's also like the Warriors seem to love silencing crowds more than getting people on their feet. I just honestly, I just think it's it's. Kind of laissez-faire, been there, done that, you know. 
You know, I, I love I love do. the I love a new challenge and the challenge is like playing on the road in the playoffs. That's the challenge, really. I, I mean, yeah. they've won. I think it's they have the record for number of road wins or road wins in series or something like that. It's not something like that. Something yeah, crazy. I mean, it's whatever. I just like this series isn't that interesting. Like playing at the, home is just par for the course, and like playing on the road now that's that's a chip on the well, floor. Yeah, be, but yeah, I'll be honest. You know, these games aren't really particularly close to me. Like yeah, the the Clippers came back in game two, but they were down by thirty one, and and they were down by twenty plus. No, well not twenty plus, but between ten and twenty in game one. Yeah, they were down and, by and like thirty four. Thirty four in game, in game three. three. You know, it's not really a close series. Like like I said, kind of similar to the Jazz not having the offensive weapons. Uh, in this case, the Clippers don't have the defensive weapons to stop the Warriors, and they don't have the offensive weapons to to basically score outscore the warriors essentially because that's the only way that they could defend them at this point point. and with that we're moving on to the eastern conference can we skip milwaukee and detroit yeah very much but i think i think we'll leave uh the three nothing series is for for last but I, I first the first series i actually want to talk about with you is uh toronto and orlando the the raptors and the magic so what, what a weird series in, in a way that like the Raptors should just be demolishing the Magic right now. On paper, this should be a 3 nothing series with the Raptors looking for the sweep. And they should be up like the Warriors have been up. In, like, they should be up by, like, 20 or 30 20, points 20, a game. But that, that like has not happened. Like, close games. Like, I don't understand. Besides Game 2. Game 2 was not close at all. But Because, know. like, if you look at Orlando, right, how do they have the offensive firepower? It's, it's sort of like Houston and Utah, right? Utah does not have the offensive firepower to uh, go up against Houston. We thought the same exact thing with Orlando. Like, they just cannot compete with, like, uh, a big three of Kawhi Leonard... Uh, Pascal Siakam, Mark uh, Kyle Lowry, and then on top of that, you go, you have to go up with Marcus Saul, and oh yeah, Danny Green's gonna spot up for a couple of threes. Like, how does Orlando compete with this? And yet, like games one, they won game one. Credit to them. And game three was really, really close. Okay, so this is okay. Primer. The Magic are gonna run some sort of uh, is are gonna run some sort of action through T.J. Uh, Augustine and Nikola Vucevic. Take that away, you probably win the game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of simple. I mean, the game plan is pretty simple. Honestly, I've been really surprised at how poor the Toronto offense has looked and how like, actually their offense and defense has been uh, subpar to what I expected. But, but credit the Magic, their defense has been. They're so what good. they're doing is they're really mucking it up, and that's important. Uh, I think like the biggest takeaway because this this series is not really in doubt or in question. You know, the Raptors are still going to win it pretty handily. I think the biggest thing that I've seen is. Uh, we're seeing that Marcus All is a really good signing because he's mostly been able to take Nikola Vucevic outside of this game where he was able to get off a little bit more. But outside of that, outside of Game Three, you mean? Yeah, outside of this, yeah, current Game Three, he's really taken Vucevic away in terms of the post up stuff, and that's really significant for the for the series they're about to play against Philly with Joel Embiid. I think like that's actually the mo- most significant takeaway. Pascal Siakam has has had an on and off series. He had a great game tonight, but his first two games are a little shakier. I think Kyle Lowry is the bellwether for this team. You know, you either get 0 for 7, got outplayed by DJ Augustine, Kyle Lowry, or you have, you know, 22 points on pretty efficient shooting, game two Kyle Lowry. And so I think he's really the bellwether. Kawhi's looked pretty decent the whole series. Yes. And to be honest, you know, John Isaac is a good defender. Aaron Gordon has size that where Kawhi Leonard's not exactly going to go through him. So, I mean, I've been really impressed by what the Magic have done, both on offense and on defense, and I think the Raptors have underperformed, and they're still winning. 
Yeah, for for sure. And also Terrence Ross off the bench. Uh, wow. game, game He's been on and off. Nuclear really. scorer over yeah, here. Nuclear. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well, really. you know, there are people like him and Lou Williams where they're just going to heat up. Microwave, nuclear, whatever you want to say. Yeah, but I mean, this can... I mean, for the Magic, I can take nothing but positives out of this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is... I mean, to be competing at, a, at the highest level, I mean, for the... And being in the playoffs for the first time in years, like, none of the players that were uh, on the last Orlando Magic team were are on the team now. Yeah. And you're a young team with, with cap Dude, this space. Is, this is one of those, like, surprises of, of the season. Yeah. Probably the Magic and uh, the Kings, right? Yeah, for sure. The two, super, like, major surprises of the season. Yeah. But, like I said, I actually don't think the series has been that great to watch. Yeah, because the Magic are mucking it up. As, yeah, as, I mean, it's just, just, just kind of like fun. a... Yeah, it's, it's not a fun series. Yeah. But the next series, though, that's real fun. Yeah, I mean, the next series we're going to talk about, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, with that, like, obviously, we're sort of riding the Magic's obituary here. Yeah, but, a little like, bit. But, uh, like, you know, I mean, if, if Markel Fultz can be something... Yeah, it would be amazing. That would be amazing for them, and uh, hopefully we're looking for uh, playoff appearances for them for many years to come. So with that, let's go on to the next series, <laughs> the Sixers and the Nets. And, I mean, you you mentioned it. Like, this series has been has been fun and in, in the sense that— and Physical. Physical. Gritty. Like, I mean, like— Ejections uh, throwing, flagrants. I mean, I'm liking it. Yeah, I mean, uh, arguments back and forth. Jared Dudley, man. Jared, Dude, Jared Dudley. He's the doing his enforcer. I love it. Yeah. I love. Well, I actually think he had a point, right? Like overall, I think I actually think both Joel Embiid and Jared Dudley were in the right during the, on this play. Okay, I guess. Well, in the sense that you got to, I mean, the dude's about to dunk or lay it up, take a hard foul, send this dude to the line. Yes. On that side, and Jared Dudley, you're the vet. You, you got to stick up for your man. You, you got to stick up for your team, man. Yeah. And, and, and more, and right. probably more importantly, you're not, you got, you got to try to draw a technical foul on ben, either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. I mean, like Joel Embiid said, I'm more important to my team than he is. Yes. So I gotta, I gotta be more mature. He's absolutely right. Uh, in in terms of that, and they, and they sort of have been right. Even like Ben Simmons. I uh, didn't take the bait for that. It, it, anyone took the bait. It was Jimmy Butler. He took the bait and he got ejected. And and somehow the uh, the Seventy Sixers still won that game. Here's a little note on on late game execution because the the one thing we all know is you can't try to make an overpass while you're crowded in the corner. Like that's just awful. That's just not gonna work. D'Angelo Russell had absolutely no chance at that ball, and uh, it resulted in a very inopportune turnover. And then the Jared Allen thing. I I understand that you thought he had a lane, but again, you can see that there are going to be three people around him immediately. It was almost like D'Angelo Russell like was premeditating that pick and roll play. Well, even it, before it worked it was the developing. play before with Joe Harris, and it and it resulted in in a bucket. So, yeah, I mean, and I think I actually don't think the pass itself was that awful. It's just given how the other defenders were like sitting right there or pretty close. Yeah. You know, even an untimely bounce or a little bobble, which is exactly what happened to Jared Allen, led to it being stripped. Uh, but overall, I thought Joel Embiid played a monstrous game on both ends of the floor. He's just so difficult to guard down low. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Ben Simmons still looked really, really good. I mean, I think those are some of the big takeaways for them. And Tobias Harris looked pretty good, too. They, I think they went like 
37 minutes without hitting a three and then yeah, hit two, three two threes in the last Dude, 31 seconds. Shout out to Mike Scott, who's, yes. you know, like a consummate professional, you know, hit the best mid-range percentage in like the NBA or like really? in, in several years last year, not not this year with the Clippers. Oh. He hit like the best mid-range percentage in like several years or something crazy like that. I said that's pretty interesting. And, I know, always thought of him as like a spot-up three-point shooter. I mean, he's a plus shooter. He's just a plus shooter overall. Sure. Sure. And, you know, that three-point shot was great. I'd also want to say Joel beat at seven assists tonight. Yeah, and he looked really good passing the ball out. And, you know, the easiest three-point shot Not only passing the ball the out, but, like, running the floor. Yeah, I mean, just, he did a lot of like, good stuff. Like, pretty much, like, showing his dominance. Yeah, really, I'm like. hoping that uh, that knee issue doesn't come back with the tendonitis. I mean, having dealt with tendonitis for several years in both my knees, that required surgery eventually. Yeah, I, mean, I hope that that's not the outcome for him. Uh, I just, you know, with the team is different with him on the floor. I would say I think Simmons is worse with him on the team. Well, <laughs> and I think that's something that they're gonna. Yeah, have to like out in, in, the in game in game three, right? We saw like Simmons was able to take over because he pretty much had the paint to himself. Yeah. Once Joel, I mean Joel Embiid was. I mean, even Boban was able to like, okay, I'm gonna take a step back and let Simmons control the game, and he was able to like make uh be be in the post and pretty much be this, the decision maker from from there like draymond green is for the for the warriors yeah except he's way more athletic and a better yeah, finisher ex- exactly and apparently on that one game in life a better free throw shooter too so i mean you know <laughs> sometimes i mean sometimes it works out but i think that this series can be kind of written off I will say I've been really impressed with what the Nets have done. I think they're a team that has a lot of promise. I think Dinwiddie and Russell played really well this series. And they're a team that should be a free agent destination. I mean, I know everyone wants to talk about the Knicks. What about the Nets? Man? I'd rather like, go to the Nets than the Knicks. Yeah, shoot. I mean, like you, just like I'd all, you, rather go to the Clippers. You're than the still in New York. You have less spotlight on you in a, in a way. Um, and you're with uh, a team that has D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert. Yeah, you have. He has some young talent. In a way, Harris. that's the perfect place for a guy like Kevin Durant. I don't know about Kevin Durant, but I think like Jimmy Butler would fit pretty well on that team. Well, okay. Well, I mean, we'll see after that. Maybe after today's tensions. Gotta be, I mean, maybe free free agency. You money cures all, all ills. Sins, yeah, yeah, and, all and, ill sins, whatever you want to say. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. But uh, uh, I mean, I, I I foresee the Sixers finishing it off at home. Yeah, probably so. I think five. the smart money is on them. Yeah, and uh, with that, we're going to the final two series of the East. Both have the. Uh, uh, upper seed up three nothing and we're first going to talk about the celtics and the pacers if games ended at halftime the pacers would be up two one well you know this and is but a... i'm thank i mean like unfortunately for the pacers that is not the case and <laughs> yeah. and uh they're down three nothing because they've been unable to finish off games especially game two game two was like heartbreaking on the inability to finish off games for the for the Pacers, and that's where they miss Victor Oladipo. Their late game execution has been poor. They are really lacking that. Let me get to let me get to a player, or let me get the ball to a player for one for one possession for one shot for one bucket. You know they're really struggling with that. So it ends up being you know they're they're missing Victor Oladipo. You're correct on both ends of the ball. I think. But most significantly, they need a clutch score, and they just don't have it in the series. Yeah, and and that's where like 
that's where Boston has a clear advantage in this. Oh yeah, you know, Kyrie is exactly yeah, that. Kyrie, not only Kyrie but like Jason Tatum. You guys who can really create their own shots. Exactly. Uh, I just the Pacers have been pretty underwhelming offensively, but I I, I really struggle to even say underwhelming because they were overperforming. I think. But they're basically playing to what you would expect without your star player, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I mean, like, when Tyreek Evans is scoring, well, how many points did he have by halftime in Game 3? Like, 15 or something like that off the bench? That's pretty much all you can hope for. Yeah, and that's, and like, then, the best-case scenario. Yeah, I mean, and if you're the Pacers, you just got to, like, okay, let's let's finish this game so that we can we can have, like, one game in, in the books, right, and make this a series, but that's not the case, and the, the Celtics are up 3 nothing, and they're probably going to have... Uh, I mean, you know, I don't want to say a nice long break because you know, you know how that Bucks Piston series is going. That's that's going to be next, but but you know, like uh, this is like a good uh, confidence step for them, or is it? Like, are the Celtics playing up to a team that is up three zero? No, I actually think the Celtics have kind of underperformed in the series. I think so too. I mean. But again, they've done this all year where I still, like, even during the series, I have no idea what the Celtics really are as a team. And I don't think I'll know until they most likely lose in the next round. Like, I just think they should be doing better against a team that doesn't have their star player. Not to say that Indiana hasn't played well and credit to them for, you know, maintaining maintaining their level of excellence to a degree. But, I mean, they should be obliterating the Pacers. And these games are pretty close. Yes, yes, they are. And most importantly, I've been surprised at how poor they look on offense in terms of like points scored. Like that's been a real surprise to me. I think defensively they've done fine, but in terms of their their ability to put more points on the board, I've been a little shocked. Like with these some of these low scoring affairs. You know, uh, they they say that the only team that's legitimately up three zero in their series is the Bucks. Yeah, and the other teams you're like, eh, well, like, and the I Rockets mean, I think are pretty. I mean, yeah, like, comfortably I, I, I up three up. Yeah, three but like, well, I mean, I with the Celtics, Celt- uh, yeah. but the Bucks. I mean, is it even worth talking about that series? Seriously? Oh my god! Although Blake Griffin did come back for Game Three, so that's nice. I'm happy. And it did not make it. I mean, <laughs> did it really make a difference? No, I, not at all, because yeah. he doesn't look like he's healthy. That's true. I mean, that's, that's dude's very, clearly not healthy. That's, that's very true, and uh, you he probably know, was literally like, "Yo, let me play at home." All really, all Andre Drummond can do is like bump Sherrod Brown, and hope that creates some sort of commotion with the Bucks, because that's the only way the Pistons can even like hope the Bucks like sort of emotionally fold in in the emotion of the playoffs. That's that's pretty much. What their calling card as to how they could probably win a game in the series, but that's not going to happen. Dude, the Pistons just aren't that good. I am trying to analyze the series. I can't. There's no analysis required. Yeah. Like this is, I actually think this is bad for the Bucks because they're not actually like getting into. They're not the playing a real group. playoff team. Yeah, I mean, they're they're really not. They're playing like a sub 500 team that really has no hope. Like, would we rather have the Bucks play like I don't know the Heat? I mean, only so I could watch Dwayne Wade again. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm not like they could have gotten a better series out of them. No, I don't think so. I, yeah. I just think like the eighth seed in the in the East is really kind of sad. Yeah, and that's that's now I, I would say I'd rather I, I think them against the Kings would have been fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's an interesting thing because now you bring up that one to sixteen. Oh yeah, but it wouldn't have that even still that matchup wouldn't have happened because I think the Kings had a better record than 
Uh, I think, the, I, I, but like you know, that psychological factor, right? If the Kings had known that, oh, we're still in the playoffs, yeah, maybe, maybe they would, they, maybe made, they yeah. would have like wouldn't have like tanked the way their season the way they did. I mean, I don't want to say they tanked, but they like, just didn't play that well. Yeah, they didn't play that well, and you know, things happen. I mean, you but, know, but just, Bucks, Bucks, Celtics next round. Uh, who's going to get te- tested more, the Bucks or the Celtics? Great question. Definitely the Bucks, though, because like. The the difference in scale and intensity between the Pistons and the Celtics is you know and and, and that's the thing like uh, I feel like the Bucks are going to have their like welcome to the playoffs moment next round yeah like, right now it's just a, like <laughs> I think they're going to get a rude awakening from the Celtics in in game one not necessarily losing the game but I think they're going to get challenged in a way that they didn't expect like yeah it's like now 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 we're now you're in the playoffs now yeah this is... ah crap I mean I think that's really what's going to happen they're yeah. going to have that kind of ah crap moment they're going to have that. Oh, we got to actually pick it up, guys, moment. Yes, exactly. Because I, I think the Pistons can't even put up, like, the semblance of, uh, of resistance against the Bucks. so... Nope, they cannot. And for the record, free throw line dunk in a game from Giannis for, like, one step in, that was pretty crazy. I was like, I see that in the dunk contest. <laughs> and that usually gets like a 44 or 45 like a one step in the in the yeah i mean uh, to, to be fair it was a little below the free throw line but yeah, still one step in, in a game yeah one step in yeah one step in. I but the, the, got the, like most, a the most impressive thing about that play was one dribble from before the half court line dude this is Giannis is long he's so long and so athletic it's unbelievable uh like I don't even I don't even think the Pistons deserve an obituary here. They've been they've been that bad. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't even know what their future. To be holds. honest, I don't really blame them either. Like I don't think they had any realistic chance of winning a game. Yeah, but, they they did not. Yeah, I just it's it's. But sad. they're not even a good story. Like even if Orlando was down three nothing, I would be like, well, like yeah, yeah Orlando's a, a good team. story. They're Orlando's they're a great, a great they're story. a great story. Even the Nets are a great story. The Pistons, eh. Like not really. Like you got Blake are, Griffin and and what? Yeah, I, I would have rather had other teams make it. I guess is the problem. <laughs> yes. But, uh, which what other team was trying to make it? I, the, the Heat. The, the Heat. The Charlotte. Hornets. The Hornets. Shoot, I would have rather watched Hornets, Kemba. Really? Maybe. Shoot, I would have rather watched Kemba than a team without Blake Griffin or a really injured Blake Griffin. Yeah. I mean, Kemba's Kemba's the kind of guy who's meant for playoff basketball. That's why I hope. Either the Hornets sort of turn it around, or Kemba joins a new team. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, and and with that, uh, we I mean we've talked about all the playoff series is, uh, so far. So, um, any other things you want to get get off your chest before we close the episode? No, not really. I think I think we did a pretty good recap of all of the uh, of all of the teams in the series at least. So, um, who who's the who's the MVP of the playoffs so far? MVP of the playoffs so far. Probably Giannis, man. Probably. Dude, Giannis has been destroying people. Uh, I would have said James Harden was in the running for it, except uh, his, except, his except putrid performance Future performance today. I, I was about to say James Harden, too, but I was like, wait a second. And then, you know, Steph Curry played like 20 minutes in a game. Because mm-hmm. he, you know, is in perpetual... Somehow he's in perpetual foul trouble after never being in foul trouble during, like, the NBA season. That's 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 probably what we would be alluded to when we talked about that series. Dude, the way I don't that understand this. Maybe, maybe the officials. Uh, probably also Joel Embiid would be in the running for that. If he didn't miss a game. If he didn't miss a game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably honest. And then, uh, like, maybe, like, Derek... Uh, Kyrie's played pretty well. Derek White, Dark, Hor- Dark Horse. Yeah, but he didn't play very well in the first order of the... Th- or, he didn't play that great in tonight's game, certainly, but... Yeah. I mean, he played... Honestly, he played... He Damian played Lillard. to what you would expect from him. Damian Lillard. 
Damian Lillard definitely is a candidate for that, except uh, you know that that getting blocked by Russell Westbrook thing. Yeah. <laughs> worst player in the playoffs. Dude, no, worst okay, wait, player in the playoffs. Okay, not not worst player, but, but like, like underperforming. The, underperforming. The most, there you, there you go. Uh, UVP. Hmm? Yeah, I, I was like, I was trying to come up with an acronym for uh, underperforming. Yeah, okay. Man, that's a good question. I, I, I would have said Will Barton before. May, maybe Paul George. Uh, I don't know if that, uh, uh, Clay's not looked great, but he's not really underperforming that much. I guess. Uh, his, his underperformance isn't apparent. I actually don't. I don't think that there's a great candidate for this, to be honest. I, I would say Kyle Lowry, but geez, like he had an okay second. He game. had an okay second game. That's, I think that's, that's your why. problem. I don't think there's anybody like that jumps out on the pay off the page. Remember, like Sabonis. For for the Pacers, yeah, who hasn't played mm. like I don't think he's had very much success in in any of the games. Maybe that, yeah. But I'm not sure you expected that of him either, yeah, given the matchups that's, that's, he's been playing the thing, against like, too. So like, I don't, I don't know, man. I actually have to think about it. I'll have to get back with you to you on that. Sure. With the we'll we'll think about it for next week. Maybe maybe Gallinari. He's played pretty well though. I mean, he game made, two he played pretty. Well. Game three he sucked. But yeah, I mean, but, but again, he had that amazing game to fourth quarter in game two. Like they wouldn't have won without him. Sure. So I don't know. Absolutely. Well, we'll think about it for the next week. Maybe Joe Ingles. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe, maybe so maybe, I think yeah. that might be our best bet. Yeah, and uh, so uh, uh, we came up with some random uh, topics there, and with that, we end our episode. Yeah. So uh, round one is uh, almost coming to a close. Uh, we look forward to talking with you guys when round two comes around, and we see these second round matchups, which should be much more uh, entertaining. And um, definitely in the East. And and uh, we'll have like so much more back and forth because now we we got teams of equal standing, equal you know. Well, uh, they have a chance they, against they have, each they, other. They have There's a chance against each other, exactly. And uh, we'll see a lot of back and forth, a lot of coaching adjustments, mm-hmm. and a lot of things to talk about in in that case. So uh, with that, we're going to end our episode. Uh, for Vikram, I'm Guru. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good night, guys.